arms rolled and rattled. With a vast rush, Grand was hurled forward by huge hands. It reached the gate. It swung. A deep boom rumbled through the city like thunder running in the clouds. But the doors of iron and posts of steel withstood the stroke. Then the black captain rose in his stirrups and cried aloud in a dreadful voice, speaking in some forgotten tongue words of power and terror to rend both heart and stone. Thrice he cried, thrice the great ram boomed, and suddenly upon the last stroke the gate of Gondor broke. As if stricken by some blasting spell, it burst asunder. There was a flash of searing lightning, and the doors tumbled in riven fragments to the ground. In rode the lord of the Nazgul. A great black shape against the fires beyond he loomed up, grown to a vast menace of despair. In rode the lord of the Nazgul under the archway that no enemy ever yet had passed, and all fled before his face. All save one. There waiting, silent and still in the space before the gate, sat Gandalf upon Shadowfax. Shadowfax, who alone among the free horses of the earth endured the terror, unmoving, steadfast as a graven image in Rathdenen. You cannot enter here, said Gandalf, and the huge shadow halted. Go back to the abyss prepared for you. Go back, fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master. Go. The black rider flung back his hood, and behold, he had a kingly crown, and yet upon no head visible was it set. The red fires shone between it and the mantled shoulders vast and dark. From a mouth unseen there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said. Old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now and curse in vain. And with that he lifted high his sword and flames ran down the blade. Gandalf did not move. The Way Lesser Inklings podcast attempts to pay homage to the great writers, thinkers, and philosophers of the 20th century known as the Inklings and to try to inspire a love for reading literature and finding the good, the true, and the beautiful in the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Josh Rice, and here, as always, is my brother, Jake. Say hey, Jake. Hey. The uh, co-host, co-co-host. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about the uh, the fourth chapter of book five, and that chapter is called The Siege of Gondor. This one's a monster, and we're going to get right into the details, and, and I'm going to start timing Jake on how long it takes him to go through this <laughs> this long, long chapter and give us all the yeah. all the good stuff. I will, I will say that book five uh, is going real heavy really early. It's got two very long chapters and a lot of meat on those bones. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, in the start of the Siege of Gondor, we have essentially, um, we have sort of the extension of the darkening cloud coming over Gondor. We saw it in Rohan uh, in the last chapter and we're, you know, we're kind of, this gloom is just settling over all of the West, or at least all of the West that's going to engage in this battle. Um, and so we have Pippin um, serving his duties as the Thane of the Steward, um, who's his door ward, uh, and he's he's um, struggling with his duty because he sits and sits and sits <laughs> waiting on, the, on Denethor, who seems to be uh, holding himself up and isolating. And uh, there's a scene where a black rider flies over to, I think, deep in the gloom. Um, uh, soon after that, Faramir returns from his uh, his ventures out in the north and east. And uh, he's chased by flying black riders. Um, Gandalf comes to the rescue. 
uh, and he they go to council, and Denethor suggests that Osgiliath should not be given up, um, and so no one volunteers to go, uh, and then Faramir volunteers to go and take men, um, and they go out and they uh, return pretty pretty light uh, and are chased again by the Black Riders and hordes of orcs. Um, and Gandalf comes out again <laughs> with, with men from the city. Um, this time Faramir's wounded, uh, poisoned in the, in the return. Um, and then we get really dark as, uh, Denethor isolates even more. Well, basically he releases Pippin from his duty. He orders, uh, a funeral pyre, um, and lays himself down. Uh, with Faramir to uh, to burn, and then um, uh, Peregrine intercedes, goes to find Gandalf. Um, as he's going to find Gandalf, he's the chapter is closing when the Witch King and his army are attacking the door of Gondor. Uh, the siege has come through the Pelennor fields and is now at the gate. Um, they crush the gate. Uh, under the power of the Witch King, and then there's a short standoff between the Witch King and Gandalf, and the cla- and then um, the uh, the chapter closes with horns. <laughs> hey, that's really good. I think I think you might have done that in less time than you did minus Tirith. So I think I, okay. I got you at three minutes there, like, like just a little bit. That's not bad. Yeah, it it is. It's one of those things where it's kind of hard to keep track of things in this one because a lot happens. One of the things that helps us, I think, to organize, and what we'll see is a big theme that a lot happens just around a, a very few characters, and one of the characters mm-hmm. does almost nothing, and and so that's going to be the main point here because I think I think far and away the main person that we need to talk about in this chapter is Denethor, and right. everything that's going on in this chapter is kind of hanging on Denethor. Right, that that he's he's right. the one that even though he's doing nothing, he's the one that is basically causing everything to happen. And so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of contrast there. And we've we've seen it, we've seen this developing as Tolkien has been going back and forth between Rohan and Minas Tirith. And I think it's it's fairly obvious that what he's doing here is he's showing us a, a tale of of two rulers one of whom has the much greater lineage and the much greater city and the much greater culture. But mm-hmm. the other one who has become a disciple of the, the secret fire, right? The, the servant of the secret mm-hmm. fire. Right. And, and the other one who's become <clears throat> what we're going to argue is a disciple of Sauron himself, even though he, mm-hmm. he doesn't really know that. And so it, it's, it's one where, you know, he'll never listen to it, but, we're gonna show, we're gonna show Cooper how wrong he is in this episode because really the book because he makes fun of us all the time. He's never read the books, but he he talks about how Denethor is weak, right? And in one sense, that's obviously true. But if that was just de facto true, then this whole early section of book five loses all of its punch because I think what what right. Tolkien is doing is he is really almost showing us the anatomy of a fall, kind of how he shows us that shortly with Boromir, but he's going to show us in, in bigger strokes with Denethor. And, and what's going to happen is that what happens, so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. 
And mm-hmm. and that's really what's on play here. Because remember that the book is entitled The Return of the King. And so all of the hopes mm-hmm. of Gondor are going to be laid on basically the king coming back. Because right. without him, there's there's really no hope. And that's, that's why this chapter is right. so gloomy, because there's no hope. So starting right. there, what do you... Yeah. Yeah, I think you yeah. wanted to start with Pippin, I think, didn't you? I, I think Pippin. I think um, it is a character chapter. I think the bulk of the character drive is from Denethor, um, but I think there are, you know, Faramir is here doing things. Um, Pippin's up to stuff. Gandalf is up to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is all kind of it is all kind of swirling around the inaction of Denethor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, you know, I, I know we've talked about, I think maybe moving through characters, uh, at least some of the light duty ones quickly is helpful because Pippin is, I think he's in it quite a bit, but he's kind of, he's in and then he's out for a long time and then he's back in at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just the first part of the chapter is, um, a little bit kind of the same buildup that's going on, that's been going on with him and with Mary. You know, he asked the question of, you know, why he was brought here, which is a really fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when we had talked earlier in the weekend, you know, it's, it's pure Gandalf. Right. <laughs> like it's just his, his truth straight up, you know, to not, to not mince words to be like, well, you know, <laughs> We whatever I don't <laughs> well, even you know, know what you'd say. You, you, you messed up a little bit, and you know we need mm-hmm. you here now. And you know you're a servant of the steward. And all, no, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. Pippin says, yeah. "Why am I here?" And Gandalf says, "You know quite well <laughs> to keep you out of mischief. And if you do not like being here, you can remember that you brought it on yourself." And it says, "Pippin said no more." <laughs> right. <laughs> I am glad we started there because it look the this. You know, it's where the it's where the exegesis thing helps me a little bit. Is there's a there's a trick I use, and you can see it. I've used it before, I think, on here. It's called the top and the tail. This is a really big body, mm-hmm. but we get a top and a tail here where we get Pippin hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. But by the time the end of the chapter rolls around, Pippin's hopefulness is what yeah. saves people's lives, and so right. there is a journey within this chapter, even though he's off camera quite a bit, but. I think what yeah. happens is is that he he starts to see two people in contrast, right? And he's at the door, he's mm-hmm. seeing these conversations and he sees what's going on with Denethor and he understands duty and honor, but he also sees what Gandalf is doing and what Faramir has done and what Imrahil is going to do. And I think that what happens mm-hmm. is he understands that where hopelessness is going to bring you. And and so yeah. he really does turn around and his his hope at the end of this does save Faramir's life. And that's mm-hmm. really important. <laughs> so, right. so interesting to start there. And I, I think the professor does that on purpose. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt to the yeah. me that that's why that's there. Right. So, so then yeah. we get into, we, we get into basically the early stages of Denethor here where he is still, he still has counsel around him. Right. There's there's still mm-hmm. people and they're debating like the the clouds come over here comes you know the armies come in all of their advanced scouts are telling him like here they come and so the council gathers and they're trying to decide what to do right like 
do we just gather everybody in? Yeah. Do we need to go defend the perimeter a little bit? Like take a strategic place so we can so we can make their losses heavy. And Denethor winds up doing something that's just incredibly stupid. <laughs> right? And and the mm-hmm. reason he does it is what's interesting and I think what's what's in view cuz I don't I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the geography, but but what has happened is there's mm-hmm. the old city that's on the river that's really like divided territory, right? There's a river running through the middle of it and the west side is mm-hmm. kind of occupied by Gondor and the east side is occupied by Mordor. And mm-hmm. Boromir had cleaned up the west side before before mm-hmm. he went away. And so there's this huge emotional attachment that Denethor has to keeping this west side of the river. And his counselors are going to talk against it. And Denethor argues, well, we need to we need to man up in Osgiliath because we don't want to lose what Boromir won. And so I think leaving that open, I think this is the, is this probably this is a momentous thing. It causes a lot of trouble, right? And it and it really yeah. is probably the action that causes the whole unraveling, right? And, mm-hmm. and so it's probably important to stop there and and you know not not in the thoughts of Roma, but talk about what's Tolkien doing here. What's he trying to tell us? You know, what do we learn about characters here? You know, leadership mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So what what do you got on that? Yeah, yeah. Man, something just unlodged too that uh, is not quite related to that. So I'll, I'll try to keep it and come back. Um, <laughs> the I think I think the character thing is the is first is is the pride where we've we've commented on it kind of endlessly that all of the wise um, that we've encountered seek counsel and generally take counsel. You know, like even against his kind of his own will, Aragorn takes the counsel of Elrond to go to the paths of the dead. Mm-hmm. He does not desire to do that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and he takes the counsel of, you know, of a wise, you know, a trusted leader. And so there's a part of that where we see this happening with Denethor. And I think, um, I think that there's also the contrast of Theoden. I think Tolkien's trying to build us up to of, Basically, these two lords going in different directions, mm-hmm. where Theoden was broken in isolation, um, gets free of it, is bewi- you know breaks free of the bewitchment, and then takes counsel. and And we've noted that he, like, he's eager to take the counsel of Gandalf and Aragorn as we move forward. And Denethor is going the other direction, where even in the early part of the of the Minas Tirith chapter, he's summoning counsel. We don't see necessarily the aims of it, but I think just by the other fiefdoms coming into the city, mm-hmm. I think we would have suggestion that that's kind of, that's the council of the people mm-hmm. or of his Lords. And he's, and he's heeding it. Um, he's lit here, the beacons. He's, now right. he's moved. He's lit the beacons. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's, so he's moving, but now he's moving away from that into more isolated into his own mind, mm. uh, making decisions. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think the big thing then lastly is, is, um, like things that are going on with his son, uh, or his sons. And, and I want to come back to that. Okay. So I want to, I'm going to pause there. Yeah. So I, we get a, we get a big clue when you read it. I think, I think we both hit on it is that 
right when we get to Denethor, right after Pippin's dispatched by Gandalf there with some truth bombs, Denethor, it, mm-hmm. it says that he sat in a gray gloom like an old patient spider. So you got to think about mm-hmm. why, is, why does Tolkien say that? I, I kind of envision him perched up on his chair, you know, kind of sitting in the dark. It says an old patient spider. What, what does a spider do? Well, they live in isolation and they, mm-hmm. they try to, you know, catch a weakling in their web so that they can do it. Spiders, you know, we, we know, and we've already said that if anything you think biblically about snakes is essentially what Tolkien mm-hmm. is using spiders for in, in this story where their darkness, mm-hmm. they're, they're evil, they're wicked. We're not saying that Denethor is evil mm-hmm. here, but what we are saying is that I think it's a clue to his mood and a clue to who he's listening to now, because we know that, yep. that the spider, you know, that's where Frodo just went through. We know that that spider is darkness and is Sauron's servant, you know, and even though she doesn't, she doesn't acknowledge that, you know, she did not acknowledge being Sauron's mm-hmm. servant. Their wills just aligned. And I think similarly here, Denethor mm-hmm. is not Sauron's servant, but we're going to see throughout this chapter that their wills align that, that basically mm-hmm. Denethor is starting to think and give in to the thoughts that are much more Sauron's type of thoughts that, that Sauron is trying to, to get him to think. And, and I think that mm-hmm. that begins with where a lot of wickedness seems to, to always begin, which is pride. And, and that, that pride is to think, well, the personal victories that are close to me, the personal things that are really important to me are the things that, that should matter the most to everyone. And, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue those at any cost whatsoever, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that it, I think that's where he sits, and, and so he won't listen yeah. to reason because Osgiliath is just a definitively bad place to to set up yeah. your armies to stop the invasion because Mordor has owned yeah. the east side so much that they've been building their siege weapons on that side. Like there's really right. just no strategic advantage to it. They're gonna overrun Osgiliath right. with very little effort whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, I think the fact that no captains volunteer to go suggests what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, because we spent a whole chapter it's learning fruitless. what those guys are like, right? That they're they're regimented mm-hmm. and they're full, they're dutiful, you know, and they're brave. But yeah. everybody knows that's like a <laughs> that's like a Uriah the Hittite move. It's like send yeah. them out to the wall where they're going to get absolutely overrun, and there's no help, and it's a long yeah. way retreat. And so this is where yeah. a I think we come back into what you wanted to say, right? Where a terrible thing happens, right? Yeah. And is, is that, yeah. that's kind of where you yeah. wanted to go, right? Yeah, it is. And I think, so I think one of the reasons is like, I think the madness thing, and, I, and then I'll step it back further. Kind of what I was thinking is that the only reason that, um, that Denethor wants to move back to take Oz, the west side of Osgiliath is because of his grief because he has this, I think he has this thought that Boromir, you know, took the city. And so there's this, I think there's this pride and this partiality um, toward Boromir that he wants to take it back for the honor of Boromir, not for the good of his city, right? Not for the good of his subjects, but for the memory of Boromir, because he thinks, you know, he thinks Boromir is, uh, is his greatest captain, Um He's wrong in that, but, you know, but I, I think that's where, I think that's part of the pride and isolation that he sits in. Mm-hmm. 
And so kind of where I think all this comes together is I, I didn't really think of see it before, but it's interesting because kind of throughout all this council, um, Faramir gives, uh, gives tidings on what he's been through, including his, his run in with Frodo, um, where it's revealed that, you know, that he's encountered the, the weapon of Sauron, um, you know, and Denethor calls it, you know, calls it madness to send it with a witless halfling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, <clears throat> first, not, not understanding at all, you know, who he's dealing with. Um, but seeing his arrogance on display, um, and, and, you know, seemingly what he would think, what he thinks of Pippin mm-hmm. in all that process. And we, we talked about that when he probes Pippin as opposed to Gandalf. Yep. Um, in the minus two chapter, but it, what what was interesting to me is, um, what's interesting is that both of his sons had encounters with the ring, um, and he thinks you know he says he says in this line that he wished Faramir had gone instead of Boromir, um, you know, because Boromir would have brought him this you know brought him this gift <laughs> or whatever. What he what he doesn't realize is that that Boromir had basically had the same encounter with Frodo and he, you know, and he, he did it wrongly because mm-hmm. uh, he was the lesser man and because, and then ultimately it gets his, it gets him killed and it gets the party broken up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, it's, it's highly unlikely without Boromir's action that, that Frodo and Sam would have been alone in Athelion to, mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, that was, Boromir was not about Athelion anyway. It's just it's just one of those things yeah. where it's kind of the delusions and the the would have been could could have should have and and I think Faramir at this point in the story he really is in a lot of ways like casting aside what is the most valuable in his kingdom because everyone around him understands like Gandalf Gandalf is nervous and and upset that Faramir had not arrived yet you know when the chapter starts and then when Faramir comes up that all the people on the wall are are cheering and their hearts are lifted that Faramir is coming back from the outskirts and the Nazgul are scooping down and, and Gandalf rides out and this is his first of three standoffs basically where he he goes out mm-hmm. and he runs the Nazgul away and Faramir comes in and Pippin understands you can you can see the sight right like Pippin sees that Faramir is a man of high nobility such as Aragorn at times revealed less high mm-hmm. but also less incalculable and remote one of the kings of men born into a later time, but touched with wisdom and sadness of the elder race. Like, like Pippin, mm-hmm. Pippin sees his, you know, his lineage, his greatness right away. And that's what all the people of Gondor see. But Denethor is racked with grief and, and racked with his partiality. And so what he sees is someone who didn't bring him the thing that he thinks is going to save his kingdom. And so he decides to just mm-hmm. cast him out in a, rash ridiculous mission that puts his life in danger and it's really in that way it's the opposite of the way theoden has has treated and regarded one of the most valuable pieces of his kingdom which is eowyn right because Mm -hmm. eowyn's beautiful and stern and and you know wise and all that and and really if you think about the the time period that tolkien is trying to convey like this kind of middle ages vibe that sort of thing like Mm-hmm. A lot of the strength of Theoden's kingdom is going to be in Eowyn and who she chooses to marry, because this is how alliances are built, 
And ultimately, that's what mm-hmm. happens. But Theoden understands her worth. And Denethor, he he has he's clouded himself with his emotions and with his with really, frankly, his his immaturity in dealing with his grief yeah. and and his pride. And he throws away something that shouldn't be thrown away. And it's it's a really yeah. <laughs> really terrible thing that happens, right? Because in the midst of it, mm-hmm. he breaks Faramir's heart too, yeah. because he he essentially yeah. tells him like, "I wish you had died instead of Boromir." Yeah. And I mean that's right. that's just absolutely brutal. Which, yeah, it's like it's unconscionable, really. You know, um, to yeah to to treat you know your lordly son that way. Um, you know, it's completely unjust, and I think we see the injustice too in the partiality of his desire, um, his greater desire for Boromir over Faramir. Um, you know, and and it just. Yeah, it's. I think it's this part of you know part of his descent, part of his fall, but also part of the his his bent is toward pride in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you know you see that in in a sense too, when like him knowing his lineage and proudly, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Like coming from Aragorn does the same thing, but knowing his lineage and taking pride in it, as opposed to you know knowing what you are as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think at that point it really gets into this this super interesting conversation that that is a it's it's between Faramir and Denethor and Gandalf, and what's going mm-hmm. on is that Denethor keeps saying that Faramir is a wizard's pupil, that he's looking to to Gandalf for what he should say. What Denethor doesn't understand is that Faramir made his call in Ithilien with Frodo based on justice and and what was right, mm-hmm. and he was not thinking of anyone's wishes at all other than what to do as a Lord of Gondor, you know, to, to fight for the right side. But also in the midst of this, basically Denethor loses his son for a time Mm -hmm. because, because he, he tells him that he would rather he had died and not Boromir. And so Faramir trying to, you know, trying to, you know, do what he can uh, for Gondor, he volunteers on this mission to Osgiliath, and as he's going, Gandalf tells him, "Tells him, don't throw your life away rashly. Your father loves you, and he'll remember it before the end." And I think there's this super interesting thing mm-hmm. going here that Gandalf had said it in Minas Tirith that chapter, where did you not know that I'm a steward also, right? And what mm-hmm. happens in this chapter is that that Gandalf becomes a steward of Gondor, right? Mm-hmm. Because Denethor loses it because of his unlawfulness. And his his tyranny, yeah. and and because of that, Faramir actually and and Imrahil also they actually start coming under the command of Gandalf, and Gandalf shows his quality because he's not trying to set up any kingdom. He's doing what a steward should do and trying to save the whole thing, and and it's right. it's a very interesting dynamic I think because Denethor at this point I think he's not quite lost it yet because he's still got the fight right like he's upset that he didn't get the ring. He's upset that Faramir's looking at Gandalf. He's upset that Gandalf sent, you know, the ring ultimately to the Morgul Vale, where it seems absolutely hopeless. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's not going to be that his mind's totally broken, but we do know that he goes up and he's, he's starting to, th- this is really the last council that we see. Mm-hmm. Right. Denethor's done with that. He, he yep. he's, he's going to start consulting his own way of, doing recon and seeking counsel. And that's basically 
where Faramir and Imrahil have become disciples of Gandalf, like Theoden, Denethor is going to start looking for his vision from what he can see in the, the Palantir and what Sauron's willing to show him. And that's when things take a horrible turn here. So that was that was kind of my monologue on the on the dialogue there. But I, I think that yeah. that part of this is such a I think I think it's the linchpin because what you're getting is a transition, right? A transition yeah. from Denethor being the steward of the city to Gandalf actually being the steward. And it's not through anything that Gandalf right. did. It's because of what Denethor right. does. Right. Yeah, and I think and that I think that's the point, like in the overview, is that everything that happens is because of Denethor. Mm-hmm. Right. Even even Pippin's waiting around, like this his boredom of standing at the door <clears throat> with nothing to do. Like that's because of Denethor. And so he's he is the linchpin to everything that happens, and there is a lot that happens. And it's interesting that that's the case because he 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 does almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so it, other than, you know, other than send Faramir out, <laughs> you know, to, to his doom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I do, I do think that that's the point. I know it's tough. It's tough to boil down. Cause this, that whole, this whole discourse with him and Gandalf and Faramir is there's a lot there, you know, talking about like his assumptions too, like, Thinking, I think thinking wrongly of Boromir, assu- mm-hmm. assuming that Boromir would have brought him the ring, right. that he would have stretched it out and taken it. And it's like, you know, and Gandalf, again, like we've seen this correction multiple times. I think Faramir understood it, is that Boromir wouldn't have brought it to you. You wouldn't have seen your son. Like he would have taken it and fallen. And the man that came back wouldn't have been Boromir. Mm-hmm. And and we know that that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but D- but Denethor is is blind to see it. And, and it, what it suggests really is that he doesn't actually know his sons. Yeah. There's, there's something to that. I think, I think that it, it a lot of times, you know, when you think of the biblical stories of, of favoritism, like, I, I think there is this mm-hmm. idea where, you know, Jacob, you know, cause that's the most famous one, right? Is Jacob with Joseph and his brothers, but yeah. Joseph has this dream and Jacob, while setting up the entire situation, that God's going to work out with his brothers bowing to him. Jacob rebukes mm-hmm. him and chastises him. And I, I think in that, like he doesn't even really understand that Joseph is telling him that like, he's had a vision from God. Like this is, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not some yeah. boyish fancy that he's having, you know, he, he's having a vision right. and Jacob kind of reveals, I think that it's because of his lineage, right? Like Joseph is beloved mm-hmm. by Jacob because, because of who his mom is. It's not. It's right. not really because of who he is, you know. And, and Benjamin right. just takes his place after Joseph's gone because of who his mom is, right? Because the whole right. the whole dirty thing started with him, you know, loving Rachel more than Leah, right? And, mm-hmm. and in this case, I think what we get is that Denethor sees himself in Faramir, but wishes he was more like Boromir because I think one of the true weaknesses of Denethor is that. He he doesn't he doesn't settle and be content with what his what his lineage and his birthright is there to be. What he wants to be is a king, and and I think yeah. that he sees wrongly that Boromir would be better suited to be a king than someone like Hiram Faramir, and that's the fall of Minas Tirith. Like that's what Bar- Faramir laments at Ithilien is that they've started to value the sword for its sharpness more than they value the wisdom mm-hmm. and the songs of old because Boromir represents the sword 
Whereas Faramir yeah. is a different kind of man who's much more like he's a steward, right? And, and Aragorn rightly sees that because Aragorn has tremendous discernment. And what's going to eventually happen is Aragorn doesn't end the office, right? And he sees that Faramir yeah. should be a steward and he he retains the office. And that shows what a great king because right. most, most kings would say that that's a rival, right? And, and Aragorn mm-hmm. is so great that he sees no rivals whatsoever. Right. And Denethor yeah. should be in that boat right now. There, there is no rival to him. But what he does is he elevates mm-hmm. Gandalf to being a rival because Denethor projects his pride and his fallenness on everyone. And really the root of a lot of Denethor's pride is that he thinks that his intentions and his his self-righteousness would protect him from what no one else is protected from because he thinks that he would be able to take the ring and hide it mm-hmm. and use it only at the greatest need. And Gandalf tells him flat out, like it's, it's such a bomb. Gandalf, <laughs> Gandalf tells yeah. him. I do not trust you. Had I done so, I yeah. could have sent this thing hither to your keeping and spared myself and others much anguish. And now hearing you speak, yeah. I trust you less, no more than Boromir. Yeah. But he wisely <laughs> says that he doesn't he didn't trust himself in the matter either. Right? That yeah. that Gandalf has Gandalf has a picture of what the ring is and what the danger is in this situation. And so he's a truth teller while Denethor is delusional. <laughs> when it comes to the ring, Denethor right. doesn't see the truth. He doesn't see right. reality there. Right. Yeah. And neither did Boromir. Right. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. Even as it was happening to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Like, do you... <laughs> There's just so much. Well, Gandalf, Gandalf gets this middle section, and we we can't we can't really park right because we get this. You know, Faramir goes off, and then we get kind of this whole everything's just starting to come into place, right? Because Mordor's yeah. coming. You know, there's Denethor does assemble a a group at the gates, you know, to be ready to to go and make kind of an advanced strike. It's really the one military thing that Denethor does after Osgiliath. But in the meantime, there, there is a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. I, I don't think we can spend very long, but Gandalf starts to show us. So, so here's the, the contrast, right? Denethor is looking in the Palantir all the time, trying to see what's yeah. going on. And Sauron's showing him Gandalf gave away the Palantir to the rightful yeah. owner of it. But what Gandalf does is he sees the enemy's mind much more clearly than Denethor does. And, and Gandalf says things yeah. like, I feel from afar his haste and fear. He's begun sooner than he would. Something has happened to stir him. And then he knows and he says, mm-hmm. I wonder, it's Aragorn. Yeah. His time draws near and he is strong and stern underneath. Pippin, bold, determined, able to take his own counsel mm-hmm. and dare great risks at need. Which is what we just spent a chapter seeing him do. Right, right. Is that he's done all that, and and I right. think I think there's something here, right? That Gandalf and Gandalf and Aragorn are friends, right? And yep. and so Gandalf understands not only who Aragorn is, but he understands he he trusts him, he believes in him, and and it's an interesting thing he says in here that Aragorn can take his own counsel at need, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what a king has yep. to do, because ultimately the yep. decision has to be made. Right. And wisdom yeah. listens to counsel, but at the end of it, the king's mm-hmm. got to make his decision. And yeah. Gandalf just shows, 
I think, so much faith in this section because it goes on to saying, like, about Gollum. Pippin's going, what is going on with that? Why are they following Gollum? And, and Gandalf mm-hmm. says, treachery, I fear. Treachery of that miserable creature, but so it must be. Let us remember that a traitor may betray himself and do good that he does not intend. It can be so sometimes. Mm-hmm. These these are why, <laughs> I, I think these things are why he he's a character that's so magnetic is because it's it's not his magic here, but what Tolkien is showing is that he knows his people, right? I, yeah. I think that's what Gandalf is showing right here. He knows Aragorn. He knows Frodo and Sam. He knows above all else that Frodo and Sam are going to be true, and that mm-hmm. and that fortune favors the bold and the virtuous. Right? Aragorn's going to be bold, yeah. right? Yeah. Frodo and Sam are virtuous, and so Gandalf yeah. is secure. He's he's worried, obviously, because Frodo's gone into death itself, right? <laughs> right. But still, yeah. Gandalf in his mind is like, who who better to do that than Frodo? Like you can. You can mm-hmm. hear it, and Gollum can play a part by showing him the way where Gollum knows the way, right? And it, it may turn around right. on him because treacherous, treacherous right. people often get betrayed. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I yeah. liked all that, and yeah. and thought it's I thought it's in there as contrast also, <laughs> right? That Denethor's blind, mm-hmm. and and Gandalf, yeah. even though he doesn't have the seeing stone, Gandalf sees it all too right. clearly. He's exactly right about but, everything that's going on. Right. When he can see the signs too, like he doesn't need he doesn't need the letter from Sauron. It's like he can see the growing cloud, mm-hmm. he can see the smoke rising, you know, in the east. He can see that the Black Riders have just flown over, um, that they're pursuing, you know, like sending out the Black Riders to pursue Faramir is um, a pretty aggressive move by Sauron. Like those are his right; those are his most trusted servants. What did the what did uh, Shagrat say? <laughs> they were, you know, his pet, or not his pets, but uh, the a- I can't remember the, the term. The Nazgul or the apple of his eye. The apple of his eye, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so so I think part of that too is that you can see that he's pushing hard for this confrontation. And, and Gandalf, you know, in his wisdom says, you know, has to ask the question, like why, why would he be so, why would there be so much haste why would he be unleashing the apple of his eye mm-hmm. at the Pelennor field, you know, when, when they know that, you know, Frodo's right on his doorstep, like mm-hmm. the Nazgul would be much more valuable in the veil. Right. Here. Well, and we already saw it, right? The, the, the witch King, the witch King who we get really soon, like it, that's the end of the third day, yeah. right? That's the end of this day is that they hear that, Yep. That the Witch King is their captain, and that he's crossed. So this yep. means like Sauron's full on. Like this is, yeah, this is the war. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but if the the Witch King, what we in that riveting chapter, right back in Book Four, the the Witch King, he he knows really, like he knows that something's wrong in that valley. Yeah. But what's pushing on him? His his master has called him to go to yep. war. Right, and so yeah. he's got to go, <clears throat> and so something where where disaster could have happened to Frodo and Sam, the Witch King has another pressure that's pushing him to not to not look into what he knows is a problem, and so he sends his frankly dumber, lesser servants out to try to figure it out. Where if the Witch King had just mm-hmm. put all of his thought into figuring out what was going on in the valley, it would have been over then. 
Right. There, there was nothing they could right. have done to stop him. Because we, we get a glimpse right. of what he's like in this chapter. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's magnetic too yeah. in a very different way. Yeah, it is it is strange. <laughs> I've always thought I've always thought that a lot of Tolkien's just uber genius is in writing bad guys because he yeah. he threads the needle of leaving your imagination to do a lot of the really dirty work. You know, that mm-hmm. he he sets you on a path and just kind of lets you go there. Um, so that day ends disastrously, right? Like Faramir, Faramir decides that he's going to, he's going to ride out. He's commanded to go. And it says very ominously that, that the, the Lord of Gondor is not ready to hear. He doesn't care about any more counsel, right? He's doing his thing and it's under orders. Faramir doesn't want to go, but he's ordered to go. And so he goes. Yeah. Um, he goes. Yeah. So, yeah. And so he, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I, mean, I mean, chronologically, I think you just kind of stick with it. It's like he goes, um, it, you know, the next day, uh, they're back basically because they've been routed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it says under Faramir's counsel that they did great damage, but great damage and, you know, under the scores of enemy is, is not, not much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and so they lose a lot of good men, um, and and they lose Faramir as as they're retreating. You know, he comes he comes back. He gets pierced by a poison dart. You know, uh, and the Nazgul are are coming upon them, and 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 the orcs are actually proceeding into the Pelennor now, mm-hmm. um, with giving chase. And so Gandalf takes his second uh, his second stand here. And drives him back, mm-hmm. um, you know. And Imrahil rides out with him, uh, and and actually picks up Faramir and and brings him back. Uh, and this brings so I think there's a couple things, right? There's there's Gandalf's second stand, um, and what's going on with that? But there's also the the cloud over the city, right? Because Denethor's silent. Faramir's the next in line. Um, Faramir's beloved by the city. And so he comes in, basically seemingly dead, and now the city is broken mm. emotionally, right? Yeah, it, it's interesting to me that when Imrahil, like, there's there's weeping in the streets, right, at Faramir, mm-hmm. and really what we're going to see is because of because of the course of events, the course of action that Denethor takes, is this this rumor just runs wild in the streets that Faramir's dead, right, or that he's dying, and there's and there's nothing more to say, but Imrahil interestingly comes to Denethor and says that your son has returned after great deeds and he tells everything that he's seen. But, but at this point, I think I'm going to call this, I'm going to call this Judas remorse here is that mm-hmm. what happens is Denethor looks on Faramir and he definitely has the flood of grief and of guilt. Right. But what he does is that, he he doesn't talk to Gandalf. He doesn't talk to Imrahil. He goes up and he looks in the Palantir and he's mm-hmm. he's trying to see what's going on. And what happens is he, in his weakest point, decides to be alone and decides to listen or to be discipled by you know the Dark Lord. And when he comes back down, mm-hmm. he's become death, essentially. And I think I think it's notable here yeah. because we're gonna get a description of the Witch King's head later. Yeah. Or his lack of it, but here we get a description of mm-hmm. Denethor's face, 
right? It says that Denethor now sit beside him without speaking. The face of the Lord was gray, more death-like than his son's. So at this point, Denethor, mm-hmm. Denethor's done, right? He's he's yeah. broken. Um, he doesn't care about the city anymore. He doesn't care about his job. He doesn't care about his duty. He forgets that pivotal thing that we know from the Forbidden Pool, that the servants have a yeah. claim on the master. But Denethor, at this point, makes no defense for the city and, in fact, tells everyone, you might as well just go ahead and burn, right? Yeah. We're done. Yeah. He, he yeah. in the in the common lingo, he's totally black pilled, and I and I think we can yeah. we can see the extreme danger of despair, and we know from the beginning with the Nazgul that that's what Sauron has been trying to do the whole time is to sow grief, mm-hmm. fear, and despair. That's why they were catapulting, they they catapult the heads of fallen soldiers from Osgiliath into the town. That's for grief, yeah. right? And the screaming. Yeah of the Nazgul and perching down and, and, and the clouds are just so fear and despair. There's no hope at all. It's gloomy. And Denethor right. just gives into right. it. Right. Yeah. And so the city yeah. that couldn't have it, fallen, right? Really? It would have been very difficult yeah. for it to fall. Now it's really compromised. Right. Yeah. So after, yeah, basically it's interesting that, um, you know, it says Denethor descended to Faramir it says you read that line. the The face of the Lord was gray, more death like than his sons. The next line is so. Now at last, the city was besieged. Mm. You know, enclosed in a ring of foes, and is essentially saying, you know, the Lord of the city has laid down his life, and because of that, because he's not doing his duty, mm-hmm. you know, he it, it's it's appropriate for him to grieve. It's not appropriate for him to give way to grief into despair. Um, and, and he does that and, and the city is besieged because he's not, he's not doing the work of the Lord. He's not right. He's not giving himself to the service mm-hmm. of, you know, of his servants. And so now there's, there's two roads. There's the people of the city can lay down or someone has to take up the mantle. So what should, because they won't, they won't do it themselves, so- right? The, the, the. <laughs> The libertarian view doesn't work here. Right. No. Because they won't rally themselves. No. And, and I think Tolkien's very clear about that, is that they are absolutely divided and leaderless and that they're they're all about to just give up their stations. And we, we learn some things later in the book that give us a clear path of what Denethor should have done here, right? What Denethor should have done is called his counselors back together and... Mm-hmm. implemented the strategies that they already had. They had preparation for the siege, right? And yep. Denethor should have sent Faramir to the houses of healing where he could get mm-hmm. where he could get care. But instead he neglects right. his son because mm-hmm. in his awful grief he won't he won't try to help him. He just gives him up for dead and despairs and he makes no plans to do anything. And so all the preparation of the last weeks is just completely obliterated because he won't do what's required of him. And then the news just gets worse because the outriders come in that were that were on the wall of Ramos, right? And and they say Mordor's cut trenches everywhere. Now the Rohirrim can't mm-hmm. even get there. Like the roads cut off. Right. So that so yeah. there's not going to be any help. So here we are in the siege. And what's Denethor's response? Yeah. Eh, whatever. Just go burn. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's really horrible. 
and it, it's not it's not yeah. that it's inconceivable, right? Like Tolkien hasn't made Denethor. Like, that's my big criticism of the movie. I think with Denethor is they make him a cartoon character, where mm-hmm. he's not a cartoon character. What what's going on is it's mm-hmm. the confluence of a lot of really really bad stuff. Like he lost in his mind, he's lost both his sons. The second son that he lost is because of his own rash, sinful, idiotic decision. All he's seeing is what Sauron wants him to see, and he thinks that that's wisdom because he think he has the stone mm-hmm. that he has the stewardship over. It's his right to look in it, but he keeps going up and counseling in that, and so his mind breaks. I mean, really, and mm-hmm. and I think the greater the person, the more damaging when the mind breaks. And so Denethor was a great yeah. man who has held the city as a bulwark against Mordor for for decades, but when he falls, right. his people have no idea what to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think, you know, as we kind of transition here, um, getting toward the end, mm-hmm. you know, you said it, I think there's something there that, uh, that Tolkien clues us in. It says, you know, it seemed, it, it hasn't happened yet. Like, right. He's, he's falling to his grief, but there's a point where it says something had snapped in his proud will and his stern mind was overthrown. Uh, you know, grief maybe had wrought it and remorse. Uh, and, you know, and so this is this is when Fer- Faramir's laying and his fever is, you know, is going further and it looks like death is on the doorstep. And, it's, you know, he was, he's been on the edge. He's been on up to this point. And, you know, and so now he's lost his mind. He basically says, Pippin tries to comfort him, you know, and he says, you know, he's asked for counsel to Gandalf, right? Like Pippin says, do you want to counsel with Gandalf? And he says, you know, comfort me not with wizards. You know, he, he basically at this point, he's he's fully broken. He won't even entertain the counsel, right? He's taking counsel for himself. And, you know, at that point, I think at this point too is is the transition of the two roads where he's laid down completely, Um his reign is over mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. um, because he won't, he doesn't come out of the chamber anymore until he goes on his death March, um, you know, and basically tell, doesn't, doesn't give any command for any soldier to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, making the matters even worse, it, it's no, it's no orc captain or brigand that's, that's running right. the siege, right? <clears throat> it's, oh, it's right. Sauron's best. And I think we see the yeah. failure. We see the failure of Denethor's leadership style here too. Is that he has a sword and he can wield it, but he's decided to hang back. Whereas the people that were supposed to, what's what's happened? Gandalf has ridden out twice. Imrahil mm-hmm. has ridden out. Theoden is out in mm-hmm. the open, right? And Theoden's coming, yeah. and he has yeah. no thought of being cooped up behind a wall. He's gonna he's gonna make war and ride to his death, yeah. and. And, and we get that Denethor starts to agree with Sauron here in that the life is just meaningless to him. He doesn't care because we're going to get, as we get the contrast, what should be contrast, it's not contrast. Because Denethor is saying, go to whatever death you want, whatever waits you, mm-hmm. while the Witch King is just running over guys, like his own right. people, like just trampling. Right. And he doesn't care how many of them fall because they're just expendable. He's a guy, it's not that he's leading from the back, but he doesn't care about his armies whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And 
the only contrast in this chapter is Gandalf himself, who, yeah, who is going to take on. It says that he becomes the command of the last defense of the city, and so wherever mm-hmm. he goes, there's hope, and he tries to spur people up to battle. And yeah. I think right. I think at this point, it's probably right to to go to Denethor's order, what that means, and then we'll end at the gate. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Denethor gives the order to bring his servants, um, to bring uh, a, a cart of wood. Basically, they're, they're going to march, or they're going to bring a cart for Faramir, and he's going to go with Faramir into uh, the Halls of the Dead, um, and they're, you know, and then they're going to lay on their tomb, and instead of being embalmed, which is the practice of the kings and the stewards there he's going to burn as he says like the heathen kings of old mm-hmm. which would which is suggestive of before the time of Numenor like this is what you know you'd kind of get the idea of like this is what the pagan kings did before right before the the men came out of the west um but there's an interesting scene in that which is you know is is, is a really ugly thing because there's an honor right there's an honor to the buried king um and I don't know if we probably don't have time to spin spin there, but <laughs> there there is this spot where they they stop at the white tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what's going on with that? I, yeah, <laughs> it, I think it's interesting. I I think I think that what it is is that Denethor is in despair. I think that he stops to basically look at his own failure because. Because to Denethor's mind, like he says, like we're he goes on this lament about how every my line ends, everything that I tried to protect is gone, and mean folk are going to rule in the rubble, essentially. And I think he stops by the tree to say, like, the first thing they're going to do when they get here is chop this thing down and desecrate it. We know they will. We mm-hmm. we know who they mm-hmm. are. And, and in my mind, I think it's Denethor basically. It's, it's like the last act of despair and giving up is I'm going to stop and look at everything that I've lost and then I'm going to go mm-hmm. push the gas on making sure that I lose it. And and it's super interesting, the interplay, because Denethor releases Pippin from his service, but Pippin says that he won't be released, right? Because mm-hmm. because it, while Denethor is the steward, Pippin still sees himself as Denethor's servant. But then that's going to change dramatically because Denethor comes in and starts ordering his men to pile wood and oil on him to burn him. Yeah. And, and there's, so at that point, Pippin's like, well, I'm gone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, Cause this stewardship's over. And I think Pippin sees it before, cause look, Denethor, there's, there's conversations cause Pippin goes out and tries to intercede and says, don't do what he says. Right. And you know, the Porter and then later Baragond are like, well, who's, who's in charge. And Pippin says, Gandalf or no one, Right, you have to interpose, and then they ask where he's asking where is Gandalf, and he tells himself uh, he's probably in the thick of it all, which is exactly right. Right. So where Pippin goes, yeah. notably to find Gandalf, is where the battle is the hottest. Right, and, mm-hmm. and I think there's something there that Tolkien is really showing us the contrast between what the steward of Gondor should have been to what the steward of Middle Earth is doing, because he understands the urgency, and we get this interesting interlude on hierarchy, right? Because what mm-hmm. Pippin is going to do in a very 2020 sense is he's going to break Romans 13, 
and he's going to take more yep. people down with him because he's going to yep. say, don't do what the steward says, you know, do yep. what's right. And it's appeal to the law. And we still have a very hard time with this, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that we understand this yet. So I'll, I'll throw you a little bit of a softball because I know you thought of these matters a lot. Why is Pippin right to defy Denethor's yeah. orders here? And why is he right to seemingly commit treason against the steward by telling other people mm-hmm. not to obey his commands? Right. Yeah, because he's yeah, because he's he's in dereliction of duty by one refusing to uh to lead his army, right? To give direction and instruction. And then two, by seeking to murder Faramir, mm-hmm. who, right, who is not dead yet, who could be healed, you know, if given proper care, you know, and 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 so basically Pippin's saying, I can't sit by and watch, you know, the successor and the Lord himself, right? Denethor also doesn't have a right to kill himself. No, like no, that's you, unjust. You never have a and, right to kill yourself, and so. Um, and so essentially, you know, Pippin has to step in here because no one else is there to do it. Right. And so he, he, you know, so he goes, right. And I think he, he, everyone along the way, he tells the porter to move slowly, Mm -hmm. right. Give me time. You know, he tells Baragond to go, you know, right. And he, and he, um, he binds the conscience of Baragond. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's like you're going to have to disobey the Lord if you want Faramir to live, mm-hmm. and you know, and you have to stop anything dreadful from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> at, at potentially the expense, definitely the expense of your position and potentially your life. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think you did that really well, and I'm I'm just going to make it my thoughts to Roman later. So I'm going to. I'm going to stop there. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to park because, because I think, I think in this time that for our tens of listeners, we just really need clear thinking on that subject and on that topic. So, mm-hmm. so I'll put a pin in that one. And I think yeah. that moves us to the gate because yeah. what we get is Pippin yeah. leaves and he's looking for Gandalf right. and he finds him. And this, yeah. this line we got to read because as he's running out, it says he stopped dead. He had found Gandalf, but he shrank back cowering into a shadow <laughs> so yeah. so you can imagine Pippin running frantically trying to find Gandalf cuz cuz haste is of the utmost importance here right cuz he's trying to stall but he doesn't have long and he mm-hmm. runs out finds Gandalf but immediately hides and i think that's the power of the witch king and he yeah. really gets his moment here that i think that was teased in the yeah. valley and we just see yeah. his awful power on display yeah yeah yeah, so so what happens here is it basically um, so the witch king comes forth, you know he's going to make his assault on the gate, and he and it says again like there's there's the tactical wisdom of the witch king that in all this right, it basically the gate is the only weak point in the wall, like they could hurl their siege at the wall endlessly and not break through, mm. um, and the gate while large made of iron you know uh and and well resistant it is it's the weak point and so he summoned essentially he summoned a weapon of the gods of the old gods Mm -hmm. 
you know, and brought forth Grand, the hammer of the underworld, which was the hammer of Morgoth himself. Mm. Um, if you want to get really cutesy with it, you could suggest that some of the steel of that hammer is used in the making of the raven, you know, ravenous wolf face mm. that that's put on the on the face of this uh, this battering ram. Yeah, and there's all kinds of stuff there that, like, you know, at one point Sauron had taken on the form of a werewolf. Right, that mm-hmm. and and there's all kinds of history, yeah. and Tolkien just does that, right? There's just, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he he just lays that in there that like that we yeah. we don't know that, but we know from later in the Silmarillion that this is renamed yeah. after the hammer, and it's got heavy right. magic on it, but it's also just huge. Right. Like even even right. Peter Jackson didn't exaggerate this one, right? It's it's on a it's on a trunk right. that's a hundred feet long, right? Just yeah. and and think of yeah. the size of a tree. That has a trunk that that's a battering ram that's a hundred feet long. Like it's going to be absolutely right. huge, right? And so this right. metal head on yeah. it is just enormous. Yeah, <laughs> right. But Crap, it's not right. enough. Crap. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not enough. And so, right, Grand is released on the gate, um, and it, you know, and it hits the gate and it shudders, but but it withstood the stroke. And I'm gonna, I'm going to read this little paragraph then the black captain rose in his stirrups and cried aloud in a dreadful voice speaking in some forgotten tongue words of power and terror to rend both heart and stone thrice he cried and then thrice the great ram boomed on the last stroke the gate of gondor broke stricken as if stricken by some blasting spell it burst asunder so not only did the you know so uh it it breaks the gate but it's it's the black you know sorcerous power of the witch king that does it and so i think much like that scene in the veil right the point of this is that we're building where there's still this mystique kind of like like all enemies right there's a mystique about the balrog mm-hmm. there's a mystique about shelob and there's a mystique about the witch king where he's he's grown in power right he has he has the power of sorcery he casts some kind of enchantment on the on Grand and on the gate that causes it to be broken open in three swings, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and so he's he's building the case of the power of the Witch King, mm-hmm. right? That he's a dark power, and it's 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 a it's a spiritual force that manifests itself in the physical. Yep. Yeah. Right? His his enchantment is what is what the force is, but it manifests in the in the breaking of the gate, mm-hmm. and so. They break the gate. He rides in. Um, this and there's an interesting thing here too, where you know the other the other Nazgul are flying around on the carrion fowl, but he's he's riding around on a black horse like a king. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in in this moment, he throws his hood back, and it says that there's a crown on his head. Uh, that a crown on on no head as he throws his cloak back. The invisible head where the flames of the fires in the trenches sit behind him, showing between his shoulder and his crown. And only one stands against him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so everybody's running away, right? None of the beasts can mm-hmm. stand it. He's Everything's just madness around him, basically. Except Gandalf mm-hmm. is standing there, and it says Shadowfax is with him, the only horse that could stand this, right? And that they're standing there like a statue. And, and so Pippin was right. Gandalf is in the heat of it. He's in the point of attack with shadow facts and he's already engaged twice with the other Nazgul, but here, here he engages and he's right where he needs to be. 
And the witch king, who is symbolized by death, he has no substance, right? He, it, it's kind of it's kind of a metaphor for what the the weapons of the dark lord are. Is they are fear and despair, mm-hmm. right? And that's taken its full root in yeah. Denethor. It has had no effect on Gandalf, right? So he he pulls yeah. it off and he shows that he's nothing, but he has a kingly crown, and he has a flaming sword, and then he has basically reviling right he says mm-hmm. he says old fool this is my hour do you not know death when you see it die now and curse in vain because gandalf had told him mm-hmm. to go back to the abyss prepared for him and what's yeah. interesting here is that i think it's 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 a backward it's a, it's a theme that we were hinted at with gandalf talking about sauron striking in haste is that there there is a undercurrent here that while the dark lord is extremely powerful while his armies are overwhelming to Gondor, right? That he still doesn't understand the world. And he doesn't, he doesn't mm-hmm. understand like, as Lewis would say, kind of like the deeper magic. He, he doesn't understand the way the world is conspiring to turn against him, which would be, mm-hmm. you know, sovereign fate. And so what it is, is it's not, it's not this bombastic clash of the Titans that maybe we want to see, but instead what happens is, that there's there's a cock crowing right mm-hmm. and and that that's a weird thing right in the midst of this yeah. rubble and fire like the whole first ring of the city has been burned and this witch king yep. here with these crazy beasts this huge war hammer that had been hitting you hear a rooster crow and then you hear horns and mm-hmm. that's that's where we end the chapter with this hope and i think that I think in the midst, I think it's a cutesy thing. I maybe could be convinced otherwise, but I think that what Tolkien was doing is he's saying, you know, Peter famously betrayed Christ and then the cock crowed and he repented. Denethor didn't repent mm-hmm. here, but this cock crow shows the faithfulness of the one who is coming because of his oaths. And so the cock crows to, mm-hmm. to herald the entrance of you know the sunshine of of Theoden, basically, where one goes yeah. down in flames. The disciple of Gandalf has made true on all of his oaths, and here he comes. Mm-hmm. And so he's done the opposite of betraying. And I think it's a I think it's a cutesy thing because we have, you know, it, it's kind of because it, it, it seems like it's really <laughs> insignificant. Like it would be almost funny, right? Like you build this huge scene up, you know, <laughs> with this <laughs> with this sorcerer, right. and then you hear a rooster crow. <laughs> And, and yeah. then and it and all changes. It's, al- it's almost Monty Python esque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see why Jackson yeah. didn't put it in the movie, but at the same time, mm-hmm. he he did do the horns, which were great, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. and that's where I think Tolkien leaves us is that there is hope because it's not just one island that there are friends, right? That that there are yeah. those who keep their promises, even though Denethor's. He's abandoned all of his duty. There is another king who mm-hmm. who has fulfilled all of his duty, and and that's where we yep. end. Yep. Yeah. And I can, right. and I can't remember. Is it is it me? And I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, we we only left about ten pages on the table there. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what we got to do, uh, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Well, I'll make it quick since I already said what it was going to be. Thought to run with is this. <laughs> Hierarchy is really important, but understanding the 
the time that we have to step out against hierarchy. Sometimes we're demanded to, and sometimes we're able to. In this case, Pippin was demanded to. It was only right. We know that when David commanded his men to go into the heat of the battle and to leave Uriah behind, what should have happened there is that his men should have disobeyed King David, right, and saved Uriah's life. So there are there are many mm-hmm. such instances, and I do think, I do think that we get it better, maybe with the civil government, or at least in conservative Christian world we do. But I think we still have some unclarity. So I'm going to give it this way: authority, whether you have to submit, whether you must submit to authority, is always based on two factors. It's based on the law itself, and it's based on jurisdiction. And the law is the law of God. So if if the hierarchy abandons the law, then not only do you not have to obey the commands, you should work against the commands. Because to disobey mm-hmm. unlawful commands is to follow the law. And that's the case with Denethor, right? Denethor basically commands murder. And so Pippin yeah. rightfully works against it. He doesn't just sit out and be like, well, that's Denethor being crazy. I'm not going to do anything. He actively works against it. I think the tougher one is jurisdiction, right? Where Denethor does have jurisdiction over the armies of Minas Tirith, but I think this is where we get confused, that these jurisdiction lines are, you know, but they're, they're kind of simple. What can the state do? The state can punish crimes, right? The, mm-hmm. <laughs> the state can collect taxes and punish crimes. What can elders do in the church? They can administer the sacraments and they can preach the word, right? Mm-hmm. What can fathers do? Well, they can do a lot, but what they can't do is that they can't they can't command crimes, they can't bring out the sword, and they can't they can't administer sacraments or mm-hmm. or preach the word right. to the corporate body. And so what we get is if you're outside yeah. of those jurisdictions, if if your hierarchy acts outside of those jurisdictions, then at the very least you can disobey but depending on the severity of it sometimes you must disobey and that's my crash course if you want more on that matt trill has done a lot of yeoman work on it with doctrine of lesser magistrates Mm -hmm. and i would push anybody there i think it's and yeah i don't don't do this often but i think just it's it's helpful to think of the scepter that each like the scepter that each of those hold right i think like the civil like you said it there, like the civil magistrate holds the scepter of the sword. Like that's the, that's its wielding instrument, right? The, the church, the church wields the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and the father yields the rod. And so those can all be used justly or unjustly. And so I don't know for me, I know there's, there's way more to it than that, but that it's really helpful to think of what the, what the, what the authority is wielding and how you respond to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's my thought to run so, with is like, let's, yeah. let's get better at this for next time because, it's, yeah. <laughs> because, because it's going to happen. It's coming. And also for yeah. fathers, like we have to rule well and look as mm-hmm. whether you're a pastor or a congregant, like you do have to understand the jurisdiction and the law of elders because they have a narrow scope of power and authority. And, you know, what we see is that the fathers have a wider scope because they have more intimate relationships with everyone involved. The government has the least wide scope and that's because they don't know their subjects. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, thought to roam with. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be an odd one. Um, I'm gonna tag on Prince Imrahil here, um, and I think it's to um, to be a disciple of the right the right steward, and so. Immerhill rides with much fanfare into the city in Minas Tirith. Um, we know that he gives counsel, that he sat in on the council of Denethor, um, particularly in that big interchange with Faramir, where Faramir you know, rides back out to Osgiliath. I, I would guess that that's the point when Immerhill sees that the person to be discipled under is Gandalf and not, not Denethor. Hmm. Um, and so what you see here is you you don't see Imrahil, right, being uh, fainting under the Black Riders and giving way to despair. You see him following Gandalf around, riding out with him to protect Faramir. Mm-hmm. That it's he's he's referenced um, multiple times as going around where Gandalf goes, where the heat of the battle is. Mm-hmm. And so I think to to be succinct with it, as I think it's. It's pick a good counselor, right? Find someone that that you can follow and 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 stick with them, right? Seek their counsel, but follow them. And that means, right? Sometimes that means following them into a battle mm. of of some sort. It wouldn't look the same for us, but that's that's a task that look, at any point in your life, there is going to be battles whether they're, you know, emotional, profe- vocational, <laughs> political whatever they're going to come and and so i think you need to be discipled well and and follow the person that's discipling hmm. well that's a good one and uh we had a another somewhat mega episode <laughs> this, this chapter was insanely long and and detailed so we hope you enjoyed it and um we'll join us again next time as we see how theoden got there and what all that means. (laughs) So until then, keep reading Lord of the Rings and enjoying it. See you next week.